1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, Gatekeeper of the Realm of the Unknown, the Unexplained, and the Unbelievable New England Zone. Van Helsing, with me all the way across the windblown Atlantic is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mister Steve Pasti. Post-
0: it is a bit windblown, isn't it?
1: Forget <laughs> it. Of- Some-
0: yeah, somebody's got the speaker turned up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's the wind. What's happening is the wind has been so, the jet stream is so powerful across the Atlantic, it's actually blowing the transmission back.
1: Back in their face?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Coming back our direction. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. Because this week, that jet stream storm, uh, Kira which we had over the weekend, and we've got Storm Dennis due this weekend, um, resulted in the world's fastest crossing of the Atlantic by a commercial airliner. You know, I was
1: going to bring that up, Steve. That's good. Yeah, yeah.
0: a British Airways 747 out of New York bound for Heathrow in London um, actually uh, crossed the Atlantic in under five hours. Yeah, that's And, and uh, very nearly, uh, well, had a ground speed in, exceed, in excess of the speed a, of sound.
1: It was what like eight hundred? I thought the ground speed a, was. A,
0: a, yeah, but the, the speed of sound, of course, is seven hundred and uh, sixty. Yeah. So she was, although the the air speed was slower, the speed over ground was effectively supersonic.
1: Isn't that amazing?
0: Incredible. But you you, gotta
1: love, you know, you got to love a world. Everything. You know, we, we talk about the paranormal and and all that stuff, but you know, there's so many things in nature and and around this world and the laws of the universe that we haven't really comprehended it at times and we just, you know, it's just amazing actually.
0: Well, we were tracking that storm uh, as it crossed New England because I noticed uh, 48 hours. Well, yeah, you did because 48 hours before uh, your co-host on uh, Next Generation, Ann Kerrigan, had put up about 70 mile an hour winds and the snow and blizzards which was actually Kira, as it developed over the New England... I don't know uh, where
1: she got numbers. that, but we, we didn't get well, anything. It well, was, it
0: was also shown by our Met Office.
1: Yeah, we got, we got nothing. Sorry. Well,
0: maybe it came, it swung out over... Well, it actually yeah. it did, it tracked out over uh, the, yeah. the south of the state in Rhode Island.
1: Yeah, it's, over, it's uh, down well, the south coast. We're up in the yeah. north coast, so yeah. We, we got, got nothing. nothing. It was nothing. Anyways, we have a guest today.
0: We Yeah, the, we can hear them whispering quietly in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one.
2: we one. Oh, yeah. yes, we are. Hello, guys. Hiya.
0: Of course, our guest tonight is Danielle Sheehan and her husband, uh, owners of the fly-blown, wind-blown Oscar uh, Lighthouse and haunted Oscar <laughs> Lighthouse, and promoters of the... Uh, it's Cardiff this time around, isn't it, guys? Uh, new, the Paranormal UFO Conference coming up in the summer.
2: That's right, yes. It's the 7th of June at St. Mellon's Hotel in Cardiff. Here
0: we are. I attended when it was in Newport. Never been asked back again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them. <laughs> Nor do I.
2: we've well, we moved to Cardiff now. <laughs> what? What no, but you know? St. Mellon's Hotel is in Newport, actually. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but I'm trying to confuse people. <laughs> to think it's in Cardiff, but it's not. It's They pay their rates to Newport. Yeah.
3: You're very good at confusing people, aren't you? <laughs> You've got a natural knack for it. <laughs> I
2: know. But we had, um, you know, two, two, three days of really bad um, weather, storm, and we've got a little, a big statue here and it's blown down several times, isn't it? Yes. You've had to put it up. Um, So we call that statue the protector, but it's been blown a few times, isn't it?
1: (laughs) We're no longer protected. No. When you say a statue, what are we we talking about size-wise? It's
3: about about, uh, 15 feet. Um, Actually, it's – I can't describe it really. It's almost like um, a sculpture as opposed to a statue. But basically, it's – about six feet um, wide, mm-hmm. fifteen feet in height, and it wow. tapers as as it's gone up. It's actually uh, was designed as a ship's mast, but you look at it and it looks more like a giant penguin. We call it. Yeah, we call it the protector. It's um, it's in the, in the exact spot uh, we had a previous sculpture which just disintegrated over time. Uh, we call that the protector. So this is protector number two. <laughs> yes.
2: It's a lovely little, uh, big statue. It looks a bit well.
3: It's nautical. It, it is yeah, nautical, 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 so yes. it, it does go with the lighthouse theme. Yeah. Wait,
1: wait, wise. What are we talking about?
3: As um, it's aluminium, um, in terms of pounds, it's probably about a hundred and fifty pounds.
1: Oh, the wind just took it right over. Huh? Yeah, they took it over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh. And it's actually tapered as it goes up, so you'd think there'll be less wind resistance. resistance it. yeah. It's actually curved, so it's not a flat surface. So the winds, we had about, um, I estimate we had about 80 mile an hour winds here on the coast.
1: Now, would you say.
2: Yeah, previously we did have a TARDIS on top of the lighthouse, oh, cool. but we had to take it down when Doctor Who came, so that would have got blown away.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, we had to take it down. The last time we spoke in June last year, the Doctor Who film crew were, were filming here at that time, uh, and they've just broadcast um, the series uh, uh, twelve, episode five, uh, with the, which also features the um, we, we featured in it. So the, the lighthouse for about uh, five or six minutes, and. Um, mm-hmm. It uh, was declared by the lighthouse. The the new doctor, uh, Ruth, who's um, Mm a tall um, black lady as as a doctor. It was uh, fantastic, wasn't it? When it was screened, yeah, it was
2: like Doctor Who's lighthouse. Yeah, (laughs) our lighthouse is Doctor Who's lighthouse. (laughs) Yeah, it was was fun.
3: It was really fun to watch. I don't know if it's been broadcast in America. It probably has. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. They, I think.
0: They, oh
2: no, you they're, they're should broad-
0: watch it. it. It was a really good episode, wasn't it? Yeah, they are yeah the are broadcast. Well, at this, within the few days of each other, both sides.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not really a, a, a female Doctor Who fan, unfortunately.
0: Well, I'm with you on that one, and that's not being, being <laughs> sexist. It's just I, I watched a couple of episodes of it, and Do you know what? It's rubbish.
2: Yeah, previous one. Well, I wouldn't go far as... The much. one it, 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 it was the best one. <laughs> uh, well, it was We're nice up, to see The Lighthouse, but
0: it, it is absolutely... It, it, the scripts are so weak, and they're so full of...
3: Uh, you know, sort a, of yeah, there's political, been a lot of criticism. Yeah, political um, chest beating. Yeah, correctness, yeah. the uh, I think since Russell T. Davis has left... Um, Obviously, (laughs) the fans of the fan base have have been criticising Doctor Who considerably. They've been disappointed with the storylines and the performances, etc., some of the fans and the fan clubs who have been reviewing recently the last couple of episodes the one we were in uh, have been a little bit more positive but uh, only a little bit more positive it is difficult to get your head around the fact that the doctor is actually female now so uh, a lot of people don't accept that
0: i don't have an issue with the doctor's gender um no. i haven't uh, my my issue is uh, the weakness of the storyline, the political yeah. message that that's woven through every single episode, mm-hmm. and I suppose if I was going to criticise the character, um, there's, there's possibly uh, playing it for laughs too much and a bit northern, um, and the way she she narrates to the audience, um, to the to the viewers with this sort of oh I guess I'm on my own now. Um, Narration that she keeps doing, plus the supporting cast of Doctor's Assistants, are frankly ridiculous.
3: A little weak, Yeah. yeah. I think that's fair criticism, yeah, actually. Yeah, it I,
2: is. Uh, I don't think she's a strong character. You know, Doctor Who is supposed to be, like, grounded and, and strong, and she seems to be, like, m- quite weak. And...
3: However... <laughs> however? However, the episode <laughs> that The Night House was in was brilliant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was. The
3: storyline was great. Uh, John the, Barrowman was back, and... Yeah. Um, and, it was, and
2: Ruth, who's supposed to be another doctor, she she's I quite. She was very good. She was good. Yeah, she looks strong and 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 like a real doctor should be. Yeah, yeah. She do. Hope I hope they choose her for the next one. You know, well, I think
3: they, I they think Johnny get, Whittaker. Was they should a get bit, Sigourney um, Weaver. Oh, Sigourney Weaver. Yes, an alien. Yes. Well, that's a good that's a good suggestion. Although like she'd be yeah. an awesome doctor. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she's we'll been see. on. She's been in one of our uh, in Doc Martin, hasn't she? Yes, she, she is, was. Yes, yeah. She did a, a guest um,
3: appearance. Appearance, yeah, Canyons. yeah.
2: So that, yeah, that could be good.
3: Mm. But we're, we're diverging. We're <laughs> diversifying, well, now,
2: aren't we? No, we're talking well, about. So, yeah. We're talking I about mean, aliens, well, aren't we? Really? So um, Doctor Who fights a lot oh, of aliens, um, well, and the yeah, yeah. in our episode. The aliens were very good, weren't
3: they? <laughs> they were. They, yeah. What do you call them? The rhinoceros faces.
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, the,
3: the, uh, yeah the police force, aren't they? The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they
2: were I good. had
0: a close run-in with the TARDIS during a, a ghost investigation um, a few years ago. We really? were there. We were, well, they did a lot of filming at Margan Park and at Margan Castle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was in the days of. um... Uh, 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 Tennant I can't remember his Christian name (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, was a bit of a faux pas for a Doctor Who fan, wasn't it? I can't remember um, the Scottish guys Oh, Eccleston No, the one that came Uh, after uh, That was Chris Eccleston, then uh, Tennant David Tennant, yeah. David Tennant, yeah. While they were filming, while they were filming an episode at Margen, um they the they were due to film the day after we had we we were spending the night there with another film crew, um, and apparently the tradition is the TARDIS, the the actual one that they use on on screen appears mysteriously. Now obviously the staff at Margham knew that it was coming but the BBC don't tell them when or how. It's part of the mm. mystique of the TARDIS. Anyway, we were all inside and this white uh, curtain white curtain side, uh, uh, white curtain side uh, truck appears and um, pulls up outside Margham. We're all inside busy. When we came back out, The TARDIS had appeared and the truck had gone. (laughs) uh, (laughs) What they do is they just deliver it without any ceremony out of this anonymous white vehicle. Uh, There's no uh, sort of build-up to it, and it was quite sort of late in the evening, just before it went dark, and they just deliver this this the TARDIS and then go away again. (laughs) And so it just appears. (laughs) <laughs> it's of, apparently, it's part of the mystique of the uh, of the Doctor Who series, and they filmed several episodes right out here in West Wales as well. Um, they used part of um, the, a country park at Trafgarm, um which is sort of rugged woodland, but also has uh, sort of rocks and. Sort of rough landscape, and they did some uh, some chase sequences out there. But the, perhaps my most uh, my, my favourite episode ever was Swarmed at Margam, which is of course is the the Angels. Oh,
1: um, blink, blink yeah, is my, yes, my favourite. Although, although,
0: you know it's it's so easy to defeat. You just close one eye at a time. <laughs> 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 you but it is actually superb. So you can I, I, yeah. I have one on the shelf A small um, oh, platform, oh,
2: they
0: were Part of a series That was released as magazines uh, Like the Doctor Who magazine Where each one came with a different baddie It was a Cyberman and the Eight Angels and I only really, I only ever wanted the angel because it was
3: just it was just a very very scary episode. It was very scary. But well, one time I was thinking of purchasing one. They're about two thousand pounds, but I was going to put it on the rocks just by the
1: lighthouse. <laughs>
3: and I knew it's going to freak people out, and I thought better of it because I think it would freak me out. <laughs>
1: well, you know, it's cool. <laughs> you can yeah. move put, it, wait a put it on the rocks, and then when people go to bed at night, move it, and so it's someplace yeah, absolutely. Up. Absolutely, yeah. As you probably know, we
3: we had a TARDIS on the roof, but uh, we had to take it down in the winds and the filming and that. And we've also got um, a uh, um, full-size Dalek signed by John Pertwee, which was in the entrance hall. So that was quite cool. So uh, we do like
0: for uh, me, he was the archetypal Doctor.
3: Oh Pertwee, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, uh, between him and Tom Baker, isn't it? Oh, Baker,
3: I like. It depends. So, yeah, it depends on your age. <laughs> well, you know, I like
0: both of them equally. that's why I'm so drawn. I mean, Tom Baker I certainly. I mean, his character was fantastic. But I suppose Pertwee, because he was the first Doctor that I recall, and that little yellow car and Canine yeah. and all of the, you know, the major.
1: I just um, love so, the scarf. <laughs> It was a scarf, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what one yeah. dinner for me. I'm big. But of yeah.
0: course, Tom Baker is still very much playing the Doctor.
3: Yes, he's still. Yes, he's still around, isn't he? Yes, he's, he is. You often see, you him see him on um, on on the, on YouTube talking about various aspects. Well, he still he still yeah. plays
0: the. Is it the audio version of it? Uh, he's still very much in there. Um, still recording mm. as the Doctor. Um, mm. So he's still actually portraying the character. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, well. Wow. Before we turn the show into a Doctor Who love test, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you do have a conference coming up, and, and I was curious since it's dealing with UFOs and paranormal, did you ever think of bringing like your Dalek there, or your, TARDIS your Titus as well? Uh,
2: with a Dalek, it's in two parts, so um, oh. it's quite heavy to carry. Maybe that's a good idea.
3: I think maybe we should. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. No, it's, it's in three parts. It, three go parts, into it? A, yes, it would go into a, an estate car, no problem. Yeah, yeah, we
2: have to ask the hotel, but also you could play the music. Dun, 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 it's, dun, dun, yeah,
3: dun. it's got its own tape machine <laughs> uh, yeah, inside, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be a great draw, too. Yeah, why not? It's a good idea.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah we I did do. take, well, Frank did take it on marches. Um, yeah in the we t- <laughs> olden days to-
3: well, i took it on, i took it by train uh, <laughs> to cardiff it was to protest about the m4 relief road it was daleks against the m4 proposals and we actually had a chap inside the Dalek, <laughs> and um, no one actually knew that uh, this person was inside the dalek and we arrived at the steps of uh, county hall and it was live television and the um uh The official person, all dressed up in his suit, was given all the benefits of the road, et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, um, all the media were there. And then the Dalek came alive, and it was um, Daleks Daleks exterminate the M4 proposals, and it was a real coup. It was fantastic. (coughs) It was fantastic. Yeah, the was yeah.
0: leaf road. Whatever happened to that? <laughs>
3: um, it was voted down. The guy in charge
0: yeah,
3: uh, decided it was um, too much money, and the environment, the environmental impact, would be too would be too great for the uh, for the Gwent levels. Yeah, be so so then, out and in the, the money
2: aspect of it. The money, yeah. yeah.
3: Something's still got to be done, but they've got to come up with something else. Well, we quite like them to
0: finish the M4 and extend it the next 35 miles to, to reach
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Us. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, yeah. Yeah, I don't know got they Well, uh, there's a sign at the end of the M4 now at St. Clair's. It says, here be, uh, uh, here be dragons. Ah, here be dragons. Cool. <laughs> and uh, Because people, of course, think the world stops at the end of the M4. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, and
0: it yeah. does, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I do, particularly so, if you're trying to get
1: the get out here by train. So, yeah. so well, go back you, to your your conference, uh, and and what what are we uh, going to be seeing if we go to this conference?
2: Uh, well, uh, we're going to have uh, obviously um, new UFO sightings. We've got two on. Coming with new new stories to tell, and then we've got somebody who's been abducted, Faye Vale. She's going, Faye. She's going to come and talk about how the um, meeting with the uh, aliens, uh, how it's changed her life. And and she's she's now an artist and she writes books and all of a sudden you know, she's quite creative. So that's the uh, the good part. Sometimes UFOs can be a, a negative experience, but but for her it it was well, it's been really positive. So she's going to be talking about the positive side of it. Then we've got Guy Needler is coming back, so people enjoyed his talk and he's going to talk about dimensions and. How we can move from dimension to dimension, and also he does workshops, so to teach people how to do that. Um, then we've got a lady coming from the north, and uh, she's a hypnotist. She's going to talk about galactic beings. So, you know, it's a good thing we've been talking about Doctor Who, okay. because uh, she's going to be talking about galactic of her her clients who've been up to the different dimensions, what sort of galactic beings uh, they've met. And um, Alan um, Foster, he's going to talk about the Turin Shroud. Uh, which a lot of us really, we haven't really looked into it, done any research but I today actually, I was talking I, I actually
1: yeah. have a replica of it oh wow yeah, yeah. I, I, I do a presentation on it I do have a rec- uh, replica of it that I uh, oh gosh, yeah, yeah.
2: A, a real one I no, mean no, a, not no, a real, but re- no, there's only no, one mean, <laughs> 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 no, I mean the same size, yes. so yes. it's a
1: small it's, it's, well, it's, it's half the size. It's, uh, it's uh, one half of the shroud, which is basically front half versus the back half. So you get his face rather than his ass, basically. Mm.
2: Yeah, I had a, a friend today, um, mm. she came to see us, and she was talking about one day she was feeling very, very relaxed and looked up at the sky and saw the Turin Shroud. Wow. Anyway,
1: We've got to take it's a break like- right now.
2: It so, was amazing. It was just like the We're taking
1: a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Toginet and Pararex Radio. We'll be right back after the following messages.
0: Welcome to Tojanet, radio with a cutting edge. Do
1: you have a paranormal event? And spooky, they all talk all the gooky. family, the shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family,
0: they're strange, deranged, unrestrained.
1: So, grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. <laughs>
0: And welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition, brought to you uh, by the survivors of I'm right here in the windswept <laughs> British Isles, with uh, your host over in New England, where nothing ever happens, uh, except I think you've got a Trump rally there at the moment, um, <laughs> New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Colick. And out in the Windswept Usk Lighthouse, our guests tonight are Frank and Danielle Sheehan, hosts of the upcoming UFO and Paranormal Conference to be held at the St. Mellon's Hotel, which isn't in Cardiff, Cardiffshire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's in Newport, but we call it Cardiff. Just yeah, well,
0: be- it's, a, it's,
2: the, yeah, yeah, it's the 7th of June. At the St. Melan's Hotel. Well, Not
0: in Cardiff.
2: And the, yeah, how, um, the, how can the price get of a ticket is £30, so it's very reasonable. Oh, yeah. um, how can people get tickets? Uh, they have to go on Bitly. Bitly, uh, then forward slash, 36, capital E, small y, Capital Y, capital W, M.
0: God Alternatively, me. go to the Ghost Chronicles International Facebook page and we'll stick a link up later. Yeah. Oh, or,
2: or just just uh, Google UFO Conference, um, Cardiff, June will come up anyway. So yeah, just Google God. it. Or should be
0: up. UFO and Paranormal Conference, <coughs> not in Cardiff, close brackets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Newport. Oh, Newport. <laughs>
0: Forward slash Cardi, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Ron. As if my memory serves me correctly, uh, this show is sponsored by somebody,
1: isn't it? Yeah, we finally got that in. <laughs> uh, today's show is sponsored to you uh, by Circles of Wisdom, three eighty six Merrimack Street in Methuen, Massachusetts, and of course, the Gallant Messier family law group uh, on High Street in. Not the Andover, Massachusetts. So there you go. Uh, just just a quick note on that. The uh, the Shroud of Turin. I also have uh, replicas of two of the Spears of Destiny as well. Ooh! Wow! Yeah. yeah
0: to be to be fair, Ron, they are replica No, they aren't actually. Oh, They're not. He's got two
1: replicas of
2: it. Oh, you've got replicas,
1: Gosh. Yeah, they're replicas. That, yeah.
2: Yeah, the uh, Turin Shroud, my friend. um that the experience lasted for a few seconds and then a lot of angels appeared mm-hmm. like around the turin uh, shroud but nothing else has happened to her since
3: july yeah. like, know <laughs> yeah, i think it the vatican did have it carbon dated mm. um and i can't remember the outcome but uh it wasn't conclusive one way or the other. At the time I thought it was conclusive. It was yeah. a, it wasn't genuine. But it, um, was,
1: it was the comet dating was uh to the Middle Ages. And yes. uh but the problem with that is uh the uh, the shroud was uh kept in a uh a special vault, uh, where, uh, there was a fire and I forget exactly in France and ah, it, it's the, the chest, you, yeah. yeah, the chest was actually, it was in, was, uh, melted and some of the, that's why you see some of those burn holes in it. And also it was repaired several times. So, uh, yes. and, and yeah, it was taking, taken on display. Uh, they have done extensive, um, uh, bacteriology and um, what's you know spores and and so forth and they they found spores from the the region of uh, Jerusalem uh, not Jerusalem but uh, is whatever it was called yeah it was yes. called Jerusalem yeah. back then right yeah uh, so it, that what came from that time period as well so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah this this controversy yeah. you know, it, the, is... the debate's still open still, yeah. it could still could still be genuine it's yeah a
2: mystery isn't it
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah they had they had stirrup uh, which was a a group of scientists uh was able to get a hold of it and uh they did a lot of work on it that's where the carbon dating came in and then it was more work done uh later in the uh the u k um but yeah it's it's a fascinating story and and it was it was uh housed in a church in uh turin under a special uh uh you know sealed uh Display right yeah. and there was a huge fire in that chapel. And the, the firemen came in, and they, they had a, a difficulty because the, the glass was shatterproof. <laughs> so right, they couldn't get it out in time. Yeah. Yeah. well, they did. They managed to get it out. But the, the interesting is, the story is, they interviewed the the firemen, and they, the the thing weighed quite a tongue, the the uh, quite a bit of weight. yeah, and they said. When they took it out, it was extremely light. For some reason, they they couldn't understand why it was so light. But uh, that's their story. This mm-hmm. what's, what, I, fascinating subject. If you could really
2: yeah, and it. Uh, Alan Foster is a real good speaker. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking forward to listening to you know about his research and so on. I think. Oh
1: yeah, I would I would love yeah. it myself. <laughs> it mm-hmm. sounds fascinating. Really does. Yeah, and we that, should really subject Frank. uh
0: yes. Danielle, is the conference yes. uh, is it going to be streamed or recorded?
2: Well, we've never tried to do anything like that, so maybe it might be a good idea. I, I need to get a cameraman or maybe somebody who's uh, you know a techie. Mm-hmm. To do it for us, so oh, I think that's it. an. Ex-
3: I think that is actually an excellent idea. Yeah, because you'll be sharing it with other like-minded people. I, and you, well, you well. put in that knowledge out there. I mean, uh, streaming streaming is,
0: it, yeah. is is a bit. It can be a bit of a challenge, but certainly mm. record, You know, uh, if it was recorded for and then put up onto YouTube later, yes, it would, yeah. it would no, draw a, a lot more. Yeah. You know, it would draw a lot of attention. Um, and of course, people who weren't able to make it or too far away or whatever. Uh, at least get to see uh, extracts
3: or, or even
2: the oh, entire yeah, so I, that's a I really, think that's
3: an excellent idea
0: that's a the really
2: other, good idea it's because putting the
3: message out even further because yeah, well, yeah.
2: Yeah. this is my third conference and the one I had in October, people came from quite far away you know, from Newcastle and and from London. Southampton <laughs>
3: Even, even from London.
2: <laughs> yeah, from Southampton, and and uh, so yeah, a lot of people might want to come, but it's it's the, uh, well, the hassle of we'll, travelling.
3: Some won't be able to make it, so I think it's a great idea. We'll try, I know. We'll, we'll try and get make that happen. Yeah. But um,
2: so, do you, do you think sort of streaming on Facebook? Um, uh, you, Facebook streaming is, is
0: is very simple, straightforward. Mm. Just a smartphone, however.
1: Um, it's limited.
0: Yeah, um, there are some limitations, but I think it, it's very simple to set up a YouTube channel and just put to, put uh, either the full recordings or even just extracts of the recordings.
3: Mm. Up yeah,
0: up onto definitely. YouTube. Um, yeah, and, and it will act as as a as a you know an attention grabber for the mm. follow-up conference. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I would do it. It doesn't take anything other than a video camera and a little bit of. No, uploading later
2: yeah oh you don't mean live you mean to do it
0: afterwards i I, I think you could you could certainly use facebook live to stream one or two or you know short sort of introductions to the speakers
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i tried to do that last year Uh in june i did some live uh, facebook live um yeah, no, we'll, we'll look idea. into that. Yeah. Of
1: course, you could always go the, the uh, Richard Felix way, which is oh, You could yeah, <laughs> have people subscribe and actually see it live if you broadcast. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I have to look into that. I don't really know how to do, you know, to get people yeah. to subscribe. And
3: our, our older son, Jed,
1: I'm sure he'll be able to help us. We'll, we'll sort it out,
2: yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really good idea.
1: So I, I hear in a paranormal, you have a lot of aliens and you have some spiritual stuff. Do you have any stuff in there? Any ghosty stuff in your uh, conference? Ghosty. Um, Frank is going to
2: talk about EVP and uh, the skull experiment again.
3: Yes, I'm going to Get the um, the latest information as to what 's happening with um, Robin and Sandra Foy what they 're actually doing over there, but I know that they have been having some um, attempts at getting the communication going again with the um, group they had last time uh, on the other side they 've had uh, some minor success, so they 're currently advertising for uh, some sitters in Spain, and uh, one of our friends is going out there to apply to be able to sit on the uh, in the in the circle um I also the there is this talk of the uh the feature film based on skull and i'll give um uh, an update on that at the uh, at the mm-hmm. conference i'll also mention other aspects of um some of the witnesses again um, what are you keen and and probably um professor archie roy uh his um experience at skull i thought was really interesting so i'll probably talk about that so i'm trying to keep this whole skull thing um going because it was such an an important experiment yeah i think it's the closest for over 100 years we've actually you know it's the closest we've come almost come to um, (laughs) or mainstream science to actually accept the fact that um uh, there wasn't any trickery or fakery or delusion the phenomena was genuine Um, And certainly Professor Fontana and uh, um, uh, Montague Keane and Ellison uh, were satisfied that what they saw was genuine. And to have sort of, um, you know, those, uh, you know, esteemed uh, members of the SPR investigate and conclude and report back and uh, in a very positive way, I think, um, was wonderful. If they can, if Skoll can get back together and have that communication again, then we can have more scientists, more SPR members uh, um, uh, there again to see uh, the phenomena, but to try and get it now um, with um, maybe infrared light, which was a, a bit of a, a criticism that it was all done in the darkness like last time. So. I think uh, the skull isn't going to go away. I think, um, you know, watch this space. I think things are going to become even more important and more uh, more interesting.
2: And they're setting up a center in, the, in
3: Spain. In yeah, Spain. So
2: center. they're raising money for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so that would be something to look forward to. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I feel obliged to uh, point out that in the finest tradition of the Society for Psychical (laughs) Research,
3: (laughs) uh,
0: there were were uh, members of the SPR who went along to school uh, to uh, look at the experiments and were highly critical of the controls um, and were not quite as supportive as some others.
1: Yeah, um, that's
0: notably Tony, yeah. Tony Cornell, for example, demonstrated yes. on several occasions that the controls were weak enough to allow him to be able to replicate some of the effects. Uh,
3: and yet they and yet they brought in a member of the Magic Circle um, who yeah. couldn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, so I, I think Tony's being Tony. The of, I mean, uh, they were very the upset with him because he, they messed up his carpet, they messed up um, Robin Floyd's <laughs> carpet, if <laughs> I remember rightly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I then say, it you know, took place in to... the 90s didn't it so technology has moved on and people are more aware of what they should be doing isn't it so uh
3: no i think um you know we always criticized people in the past, but these people in the past who were investigators were very intelligent people. We, I don't think we're any better than they, than, than they were, really.
0: You know, as long as you're- I mean, you've got to, you've got to recognize that Tony Cornell, along with Dr. Alan Gould, were the uh, almost the archetypal inventors of uh, the technological approach with the, with the, uh, when they put together SPIDER, the spontaneous paranormal incident data electronic recorder.
3: Um, device. Which is still around. Uh, mm, yeah. you know, it's in retirement. What is it? So what is your personal opinion on the Skull Experiment, Steve? I know you're a, a healthy skeptic, so you have a free you have you have a free mind as well, obviously. So what what is your take on it?
0: Um, it's always been a, a, it, it, i it's I recognise that that it was, it was examined by Montague and, and Archie and others uh, but it, I also recognise the criticism of Tony mm-hmm. Cornell yeah. and others and yeah. so I think I'm still firmly on the fence there is a lot of intriguing results that were obtained at school mm. but I, I think that I can see where the where the, the criticism has been duly levelled yeah. and I think it's fair and reasonable criticism, I don't think it's yeah, unfair yeah. Um, and I think that 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 sort of same problem manifests in lots of uh, mm.
1: investigations. So uh, Steve, Enfield, Enfield, for example, was yeah. before you move on from Skull? Would you, would you uh, give us a synopsis for some of the people on the side of the pond who are not familiar with it? Well, actually, I was going to say Frank might be but because he has
0: a prepared talk, whereas I haven't picked up the Skull report
1: okay. for We're, whatever somebody four
0: years.
3: Uh, Sure. sure. It was um, a group of investigators in the uh, '90s. They sat for about um, five years in what they termed the Skull Hole in a farm up in a, a place called Skull in Norfolk. Um, and Robin Foy and Sandra Foy and um, the Bennets, uh, were tran- or the Bennets of the trance mediums. But effectively, they had um, a lot of physical phenomena. In, in darkness, but it took them about five or six months before the phenomena started. Um they had um oh cranky uh I think they ended up having direct voice, they had um, materializations. Um in fact it was so impressive they that's why they contacted the um, the SPR because they didn't believe that um they were just a Broadcasted themselves. This is what they've achieved. Um, it has no credibility. So they invited along the SPR, um, as we said, Professor Fontana and Montague Keen and uh, Arthur Edison to sit. I think they sat for about two years um, during mm-hmm. that five-year period, and they witnessed um, the paranormal. Uh, they witnessed. Uh, light manifestations um a crystal materializing dematerializing um in the center of the um uh, the room they had a, a dome which uh, allegedly would uh, accumulate um energy as opposed to ectoplasm a new form of energy and it was this uh, energy that um the people on the other side, the spirits on the other side, want a better word uh, used they, they would bring along their own energy they would draw energy from the ground or they draw energy from the sitters and um, they had um, uh, you know an arm would materialize and start moving things around um, it's You can go on youtube and there's a there 's an hour and twenty seven minute documentary uh, with the evidence and you can see the um, various uh, witnesses talking about what the Witnessed and experienced, um, so it's to my mind, it's the it, we, why we never actually um, acknowledged the cross correspondence um, evidence over 100 years ago, uh, which was phenomenal. This, to my mind, is the the next nearest thing to actually accepting the survival uh, principle, if you like. So,
1: would you, would you describe it? Us- when you just oh, describe it it sounds very much f- s- similar to a uh physical mediumship uh uh séance
3: well that's exactly what it what it was exactly what it was
1: it was to have direct communication. Years, years and years i mean Steve will attest to that i'm sure
0: what sorry i uh, I, I missed a question
1: i we, when i said it it pretty much sounded like a physical uh Mediorship, uh seance, and and that's been essentially around, around for years and years. So what what yeah. makes it so different than that?
3: it was the amount of phenomena that they actually achieved, the quality of it. I that think it, the, I think uh,
0: what what was outstanding about the skull case, uh, and it led to a proceedings being published by the SPL, yeah. which, which yeah. In November nineteen ninety nine, it amounted to about four hundred and fifty pages, was the fact that um, it had been thoroughly examined by investigators. Now, you have uh, some excellent examples of accounts of early physical mediumship seances, the apports, the the magical things that were taking place in the early years of the 20th century. Musical instruments. Musical instruments being played, uh, Price's seances were, tables were smashed to matchwood. uh, Mm. But these, what you didn't have in any of those in in those early ones was a instrumented and observed seance now as i said before uh, there were criticisms that some of the controls were incomplete but nevertheless there were controls in place there were good quality controls put into place yeah. and phenomena was documented that i think makes C- skull a standalone uh, but in terms of the actual uh, scope and range of phenomena, I think the 19th century, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century uh, seances, or, or the accounts of them, certainly can compete with Skull in terms of... And in fact, in some areas, they can better Skoll. Uh, skull didn't manage to manifest full you know, uh, mediums, or have mediums flying out in and out of
1: windows, or <laughs> carrying hot coals. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is... You know thomas Gwendolyn Handelman did extensive work on on, on this. one sure. way yeah, and, but there are others too he's not with the only yeah one. i were, mean there, there, there is others. a
0: long there is a long history um, and it really goes from about eighteen seventy through to the nineteen ten of some really interesting physical mediumship demonstrations and seances that are being examined by, uh, actually being examined by the SPR um, and by other researchers around Europe. Over in Germany, you had Shre- uh, Baron Schrink notzing hmm. the American uh, researcher um, Harold Carrington, or, and W.J. Crawford up in Northern Ireland. We're all looking at these physical uh, phenomena with interest and measuring them and observing them and documenting them. What Skoll did was essentially bring that up to date in the 1990s with a modern uh, technology uh, and allowing the investigators to get close to the phenomena and to impose some controls on the phenomena. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know criticism is always you will always find critics there were critics at enfield uh which was being investigated by the spr but there were also members of the spr who went along who declared the whole thing to be uh basically a sham by the girls uh so you always have this this inability <laughs> to, to reach a decision
1: a consensus
0: a consensus. And that's, that's one of the frustrations because two people will see the same event and mm-hmm. they will interpret yeah. it differently. And that, that actually applies to even to objective physical evidence where you have that documented, um, recorded by a device that doesn't have an imagination and doesn't, have, you know, doesn't put a spin on it. But unfortunately, the outcome of the, the instrument data is then interpreted, interpreted. by people. Right who then go, oh, well, you know, it must be a machine malfunction, it must have been tampered with, uh, the, the data isn't complete, oh, look, there's, you know, it, it, was, it was raining outside. Um, you know, Skeptics really will, at some point, you know, they, they can reach some extraordinary lengths in order to poo-poo stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but equally, you see it from the believers, where they will go to, you know, blind, unquestioning belief in the phenomena.
3: And that's a dangerous thing. I agree. Yeah, almost be mean, subjective. There, yeah, there are critical, extremities yeah. at both, both ends yeah. of the, the spectrum. At school, I think what impressed me also uh, considerably, I think, was the um, the germanium receptor and the um, the analog <coughs> film which, when independently developed, had all the inscriptions on it. It looked like it was from Frederick Myers. But also the germanium receptor, which Arthur Edison built, mm-hmm. uh, looked as if it was signed by um, uh, Thomas Edison. Um, and I thought that was, that was quite impressive. And uh, they did actually build that germanium receptor, and did, they did actually connect it in, uh, connected to the um, uh, tape recorder. And as I understand it, they had about a 20-minute uh, communication Mm-hmm. Which is so
0: interesting. So, well, the germanium—I uh, don't know why it would be signed by Edison because it was invented by Rav Um yeah.
3: <laughs> who, well, I think uh, because uh, I think because before he passed away, yeah, I think before he passed, well, passed away, Edison he was working on a, a device, if you like, wasn't he for communication between the two sides?
0: Well, again, uh, 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 baby, yeah, baby. that's yeah, uh, uh, and in fact. Uh, the few scant uh, bits of uh, information that, that suggest that... I mean, Edison certainly said uh, that uh, he believed that if it was possible for spirits to communicate, then radio should be the most suitable method. Um, mm-hmm. And that that would be a way, you know, that, that he would that he would consider exploring, whether he actually mm-hmm. did... Te- Nikola Tesla uh, almost certainly did go further and um, yes, yeah. constructed a device... And that's actually discussed in one of the, in one of the, uh, by one of his biographers. Uh, and there is a record of Tesla uh, talking more openly than Edison ever did. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Edison built anything at all, uh, and this is the germanium diode, because Edison had said on a number of occasions that a device, uh, or his preferred device, and he, he sort of ins- uh, insinuated that it used potassium permanganate crystals, um, oh, right, now, okay. hmm. that's that actually appears in two in two separate accounts where he he talks about using crystals of potassium permanganate. Uh, he never mentions germanium. In fact, I'm germanium. Not even sure it, it was it was it discovered then.
1: Uh, you got me on that one. I, I don't know. isn't
0: germanium it post go. post Second World War.
1: That I don't know.
0: As a semiconductor, we'll have to it, guys. Yeah, yeah I, I'm sure. I... I, I have a feeling that as a semiconductor, germanium doesn't exist until after World War II. Really? Which puts it right in the. I mean, you know, Rao Deaver in the '60s develops and shows the plans in his book Breakthrough for the germanium uh, diode receptor.
3: Maybe Edison's using new technology. <laughs> <The latest> technology. <laughs> why should he? Why should he limit himself to uh, you know hundred years ago? Whatever it was. Well, that's
0: know? true. Well, I, I, mean, I was going to point out as well that Tony yeah. Cornell actually he was most critical of the film developing uh, because he said that uh, that was the one that he was he, yeah, he found easiest to replicate because the controls on it were quite poor and that he was able to do a substitution um, for another film that he pre-developed
1: or pre-exposed. Oh, germanium was discovered in
0: 1886. So oh, that I, I No, oh, it's right. use as, as a semiconductor, I'm referring to. Oh, okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <Which> I don't <laughs> think, I mean, we didn't have semiconductors before World War II, anyway. That's true. We were still on valve technology.
3: That's true,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, Edison was, was obviously by, um, influenced by Tesla. <laughs> Who was the real genius of the
3: act? Who was the real genius?
0: Anyway, we movie. need to, uh, we are coming to the end of the show, but we do need to give out the details again for the Newport UFO and Paranormal <laughs> Conference, June seventh two 2020.
2: Yes, so yeah, that's right. It's uh, the UFO Conference on the 7th of June this year, 2020, 2020 Vision, at St. Melon's Hotel in uh, Castleton,
3: Newport Cardiff.
2: Newport Cardiff <laughs> on the A48. You um, exit the M4 and head for the A48.
0: And details of where to get tickets and the link will um, put on. The to. tickets
2: from me, Danielle Sheehan, S H uh, E A H A N at yahoo.co.uk. So Danielle, D A N I E L L E Sheehan, S H E A H A N. H A N at yahoo.co.uk. Or just and, Google, did you call paranormal. Yeah, just conference? Google, Google, Google. Google is key. your
1: best friend in finding anything these days. I did, know, Google Daniel, is key. Danielle, did you say it was 2020? That was the name of the conference? That would have been uh, so cool.
2: <laughs> no, I call my conferences 2020 conferences. Um, so
1: 2020, 2020 oh, okay. vision.
0: Yeah, that would have been such a cool title You missed out that one
1: No, no, because there. actually <laughs> Spirit Quest this year uh, We almost called it uh, 2020 Clear Vision and uh, Perfect Vision, excuse me But uh, we ended up Beyond the Veil instead Uh
0: you wimped out
1: I know anyway, <laughs> it I'll,
0: I'll leave you alone <laughs> for one year And look what happens Yeah, we want to thank you so much for.
3: Thank you very much
0: Thank you
2: Thanks, Steve Thank well, you. Thanks, Thank guys. thanks for all, because, yeah, uh, you to
3: all your help. Catch you
0: again, guys. It was guys. A lovely
2: chatting. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.